Welcome to Save What You Love. I'm Mark Titus. Today's conversation, I get to sit down with Alicia Towns-Bain. She's the executive director of the Bristol Bay Education Foundation, and we talk about the incredible work she and her cohort are doing to empower the next generation of leaders in Bristol Bay. We also dig into the Nuka Derby, which is the event that Tyler and I just got to go to up in Bristol Bay a couple weeks ago. It was incredible. We got to eat uh, local traditional foods and catch king salmon and see the swallows as they emerged and fly over Bristol Bay in all its glory. So we talk about that and try to paint a picture for you. Now, if you're liking this podcast, I would be absolutely grateful if you'd go to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating. It really helps our visibility. Also, if you want to write a review, that's cool too. Just do it in your own words. We'd love to hear from you. And lastly, it's summer. Summer is grilling time. Why not put the world's best protein on your grill? Head on over to avaswild.com. That's the word save spelled backwards, wild.com. And order wild Bristol Bay flash frozen sockeye fillets directly to your door. Thanks for listening. Love having you along. See you next week. Enjoy the show. Alicia Towns Bain, the salmon are back in Bristol Bay. Woohoo! Yeah, and we were just there. Um, this is such an amazing opportunity to get to chat together because of the proximity to salmon showing back up and the work that you're doing. Um, I'm going to get out of the way here and let you tell us about yourself. But, uh, you know, we just had lunch the other day, and during that conversation, you told me that you had a dream <laughs> when you were in high school. Tell us your story. Tell me, tell me about that, that dream that you had, and uh, how did you come into this work that you do? Ah, all right. Mark, you just dive right in to all of it, like the deep <laughs> places. I'll just point out on behalf of all your past and future guests. Um, so yes, I, I did. I had a, um, I had a dream. Well, you know, I should say that, you know, Chimai Hui Alicia Town, Spain, um, Seattle, Missoufriana, um, Issaquah, Washington, um, Kichakumi, and Ilanka, Igashik, Chali, Pilot Point, you, um, so I said, hello, I'm Alicia Towns Bain. I was actually born uh, here in Seattle. I grew up in Issaquah, Washington. Um, my family, my Ilanka, is from Pilot Point or Agashik um, out in Bristol Bay. So that's my connection to my um, Bristol Bay roots. And as it happens, I'm reporting from here in Issaquah, so back home for a, a, a couple weeks in the summer. Um, yeah, so I was born in Seattle, but I always knew that I had these, um, roots in Bristol Bay and from a very young age, my mom and my dad really, um, made sure that we knew where we were from. And, um, I'll tell you two stories. One is that when my, I was really young, um, my parents were still fishing um, out of Pilot Point, so commercial fishing. My grandma had a big set net operation, and my uncle ran a drift permit. And so mostly my parents would go, and my dad would go and fish for my uncle or my grandma. And um, when we were there, I got to go, I think, once, maybe twice when I was really little. But we would stay in what's called the White House um, in Pilot Point, which is a house on the cannery. Um, you know, it's like the big bunkhouse that folks would stay in when they were used to work at the cannery um, years and years ago when it was still operational. And um, so I always had that stuck in my head, like the White House. Um, so when I was growing up and they would talk about the news on the news about the White House, 
I thought that they were talking about Pilot Point because I really thought that Bristol Bay was like the center of the universe. <laughs> it was really true because for well, me, <laughs> yeah. like, why wouldn't you be reporting from there regularly? Because like, that's where all the good stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. That's so <laughs> I, um, you know, I think we, I'd always had like this tug on my, um, on my family's heart and then on my heart as well um, to be back in our community and um, back in region. And that just grew on me. And so the story that I shared with you at lunch was a few, just a couple of years ago, we were getting ready to move. And I was, as we all do when we're moving, I was digging through all of these like old boxes and trying to get rid of stuff and found a box of like old, old papers. And in that was like my high school transcript, Mark. <laughs> and then also my college admission essay when I applied to go, um, like, you know, what we all write when we're 17 years old. Um, I was applying to go to Western Washington University. And in that, I say as my intended professional goal, um, that I am going to work for my native corporation in Alaska. And, you know, about 20 something years later, that actually happened. So I now work at um, BBNC at the Education Foundation, where I have the awesome job of being our executive director. Well, a couple notes there. That's awesome. Such great stories. And you're, you're a great storyteller. And, um, I think that <laughs> I think I saved my admission letter to college too because that's the only reason I got into college. Um, I had a really great uh, I had a really great teacher named Tess Matusik, and she um, she believed in me and my writing and um, encouraged me to write to this to St. Olaf College and, and this this admission letter. And um, yeah, I think it was it was one of the better pieces of writing that I did. And so it's funny that you, you saved that one, <laughs> one piece. And, and of course, the White House in Pilot Point is the you know, center of the universe. That, that makes all the sense in the world. Well, so the BBNC, of course, is the Bristol Bay Native Corporation. And um, I guess, you know, I was going to have you give us a 100,000-foot view of the Education Foundation, but I'm going to back the truck up even a little further. Hmm. Can you give us um, a sense of what a Native corporation is and why they exist in Alaska? Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk about your um, work in the Education Foundation. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to give you, I guess, you know, 50 years of history in about 30, <laughs> maybe 60 seconds. Uh, but the... Uh, Bristol Bay Native Corporation is one of 12 regional native corporations that exist in Alaska. They were founded in 1971 as a as part of the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act when it passed. And what that act did was settle native land claims between um, the United States and the um, native indigenous people of Alaska. Um, so our leaders, when they were uh, going through that process, the native uh, land claims had not really been settled in um, Alaska up until that point. There had not been, with a couple of exceptions, had not been treaties um, that were signed between the tribes and the U.S. government. And so our leaders recognized that they were not interested in the reservations system um, that had existed in the lower 48. They wanted an alternative. And so they created this kind of unusual system, I would say, of, of um, corporations. So um, Alaska Native people um, became shareholders in each of these companies. Um, you could affiliate kind of depending on where you lived or where your, um, your family was from. So, you know, there's, it was a little bit by chance, just kind of depending on, you know, where your grandparents or parents were living and affiliated at the time. Uh, my mom chose to become a shareholder in BB and C and, um, yeah, I think that over time, those these companies have grown, and um, now many of them, including including our village corporations, um, have become very very successful. They are amongst the largest companies in the state of Alaska. That's a fantastic explanation, and uh, I kind of piecemealed it together over the years, but that was a really great one stop shop. So, out of the Bristol Bay Native Corporation, which is 
fantastically successful and doing incredible work for the region um, and its shareholders. Uh, the Bristol Bay Education Foundation was formed, and you are now the executive director of that foundation. What is that all about? What's the work that you do? And um, give us the the big picture. Thanks. Uh, well, you know the. I, I have to give um, all the credit and the leadership back to um, the amazing elders and founders um, at um, BBNC who saw many years ago the need um, for education. I think when I think about um, learning, so in Alutic we say, like I want to learn or I'm learning. Learning is a central value um, for um, I think our organization at BBNC Education Foundation, of course, but also um, there's a thread that runs through um, all of our people from Bristol Bay, you know, our Ubik, Alutik, Dana'ina people, we recognize um, the importance of learning and both Western learning, um, like in a, you know, kind of the formalized Western education system, but also cultural learning. Um, as a kind of equally valuable and equally important. And so from the very beginning, um, folks recognized at BBNC that educating our students, educating shareholders was going to be critical for um, the company's future success as well as the region's future success. So they created um, this 501c3 nonprofit, now we're a private foundation, to provide scholarship support um, to our Alaskan Native students and shareholders, um, as well as more recently supporting cultural heritage activities, um, primarily in the Bristol Bay region, but also beyond. So we do a lot of support for things like culture camp and um, uh, extracurricular weeks in our school districts in Bristol Bay. Um, But what I always say about what we do, Mark, is like, we work with students, like that's our bread and butter and why we get up every day. Um, you know, whether they're in kindergarten or whether they're finishing their PhD, we, um, we just love and support students in their, in their learning. So good. Um, is there a, uh, a bird calling behind you? Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I believe (laughs) we're up early. I don't know if folks will know that, but there's like a rooster crowing in the background. (laughs) That's fantastic. I just, you know, want to assure our listeners that there's not an actual ghost in the machine here, but uh, (laughs) I I was figuring you had some sort of bird life happening back there. I don't know. Yeah. So look, we, we just got to have this incredible experience together um, in June and uh, Tyler, who's back there in the control booth virtually uh, came with me and um, we met up with you and your team on the Nushigak River. Um, tell us about what we just experienced and um, I'll, I'll chime in a little bit about what my observations were, but you know, gi- give us the, the big picture on what we were gathering for there in June on the Nushigak River in Bristol Bay. Uh, yes, I'm just going to confirm that we had the best time and everyone is invited. <laughs> uh, yeah. So every, for the last um, three years, this is, well, we, we took a COVID gap year like everybody did. So this was our third year on River. We um, have launched our a fundraiser essentially for the um, education foundation, but we have wrapped it around inviting our closest friends, family and sponsors to come fishing with us on the Nushigak river. Um, and it was, uh, it's a three day event. We, um, essentially go to camp together for three days and experience the really wonder the majesty, the beauty, the friendships that are created when you get outside and on the land with people and have a really, really great and magical time. It was, it was awesome. So it's officially 
The Naka. Naka Could you please tell derby. us officially what it is? Yes. <laughs> it's the Naka Derby. Yes. I get hung up on Naka. Yeah. Naka Derby. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for pointing out the name of our event. Yeah, it is. It's the, <laughs> the Naka Derby. And yep. we named it because um, we were going to be fishing and we do, it is king fishing um, at that time on the Nishigak River. And we, we chose that intentionally because for, um, you know, for our communities, the king is so special and, um, you know, really important. And we wanted to um, point that out and point that, you know, kind of share that experience with folks um, that are that are out there and already coming. You know, there's a lot of sports fishermen that um, come to the New Chicago every year. Um, in Bristol Bay, but they may not, um, as they fly into Dillingham, you know, and get on their small plane to head out to the Nushigak, they may not feel that connection to the people who live in Dillingham, um, the Chungyong tribe, or, um, you know, just the people of Bristol Bay. And so we wanted to see if we could provide like more links to, you know, to the people that live there and to our, our culture. Um, and I should, yes, I wanted to point out um, that um, we are hosted on the river by the um, Chogyang um, uh, Corporation, their village corporation that manages the lands um, and the river um, on behalf of their um, people and shareholders. And we're really, really grateful for that partnership because we could not do it without them. And we wouldn't, frankly, we wouldn't want to do it without them. So we're, we're really grateful for that partnership. And what does Naka mean? Oh, so Naka means, and I've gotten a few interpretations, but what I understand it to be is like the general word for fish. Like you could say Naka if you were talking about kind of any kind of fish in Yupik. Um, but I've also heard it referred to as food. And I like that too, because like fish is so important to us that you can call it food or, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a basic food, you know, staple. So it's either fish or food. Um, and we decided that because we wanted it to be, which are one of the same. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We wanted it to be, um, you know, to put our, our culture at the center of of this event. Beautiful. And so this was the fourth and there will be another one next year, presumably, and other folks can participate in this. Yes. Uh, Um, folks are invited, um, the way it works is that uh, you get in touch with us at nukaderby.net or you can call um, the BBNC Education Foundation. We have sponsorships. So when sponsors log, um, you know, decide to become part of the event, we really take care of most of your logistics, um, you know, fishing logistics of getting you um, situated with a camp and um, all of your transportation. We help you with that and really get you from wherever you're coming from. We had folks from as far away as Atlanta come this year um, all the way to, you know, arriving at camp. And then you're there with us for three days um, fishing and eating and um, learning, of course. And, and then you, um, and you whisk your way home. Yes, ton, tons of learning, and we're going to get a little more into that in a second here. Um, and for those curious, uh, we will put up our images, which are just amazing. And Tyler took a ton of them. Oh, good. Because um, we were filming as well, and mm-hmm. uh, so there's lots of ways to see this coming up. But in the immediate, if you're curious, check out our Instagram at Save What You Love Podcast, and we will have a slew of really amazing pictures from the Nuka Derby um, under Alicia's post for this week. And But just to paint the picture a little bit, you're flying into utter wilderness. This is, um, if you've seen the wild or the breach at this point, you know that Bristol Bay is spectacular. It's gorgeous. It's vast. It's wild. So you're flying in there, and then you're taking a smaller plane, a float plane, usually a beaver or an otter, up onto the Nushigak River. And from that point, you are then taken by boat up to your camp. And there's a various numbers of camps on the river. We stayed at the, uh, Rob Fuentes' beautiful Kingfisher Camp. And uh, you are so right, it was like summer camp. Uh, <laughs> Tyler even got a nickname. 
merman, <laughs> and uh, which involved some uh, some some time in the water in the uh, chilly Nushigak. And and yeah, it's incredible. Um, I, the it, it's it's hard to adequately paint a picture, but you know it's light mm-hmm. pretty much. All, all the time, day, all the time, <laughs> because it, you're you're up in the northern climes, and we're fishing for kings. We're eating incredible food. We are seeing the swallows as they return, and uh, and really, uh, most importantly, communing together. And this was ex- especially poignant this year after we've come out of this COVID spell of connecting with other human beings and the land in and of itself. Um, the food, though was a big part of this. We were gifted this incredible experience of um, eating traditional foods like herring roe drizzled in seal oil, myrrh eggs that were harvested from cliffs, and even muktuk, which I'll let you explain. I, I noticed how deeply felt the work was for you and Carol and Marie and Lucy and Irene and Angela why was it such a profound experience sharing your food and cultures with others that are coming from other parts of the country? Well, I have to, again, you know, give the credit away to all of the awesome team that you just mentioned. Um, so Carol Wren, um, who is our um, VP of shareholder development at um, BBNC, Marie Paul, who is my board chair, um, Angela Peacock, who's my deputy director, Irene Fritzy, who's my office manager. It's a really a huge team effort. And so we every year kind of brainstorm about how we want to share our culture um, this year, like that year at the event. And this year we had asked, been asked before if we would <clears throat> consider doing some, you know, more sharing around how we traditionally prepare food and prepare salmon in, or kings in particular, um, because we've always done um, the cutting of the fish like um, at our way station camp. Oh, we should mention that. Like we have a central kind of hub of activity during the event, which is our way station where people can come weigh their kings, also get something, some food. And it's a really great, it's not just the sponsors that um, participate in the event. It's open to anybody who's on the river that wants to purchase a ticket. So in addition to sponsors, we have a lot of community members, a lot of people who are just kind of interested in what we're doing. Um, so as people come by to the way station, we've given them the opportunity. Marie will split their fish for them and has demonstrated, I think, really beautifully how we keep every single part of the fish almost, you know, um, so she'll, she'll cut the flays, but we keep the heads, um, the bellies, a lot of the kind of the material part of the fish that mostly in the sports fishing industry, sadly, will just get tossed back in the river, um, you know, um, but is really usable um, as, you know, you, you can eat those parts <laughs> um, and they're delicious. Um, and so we wanted to kind of share that with folks. And we'd been encouraged and asked like, oh, you should like demonstrate how to um, how we do this. So this year um, we have an awesome planning committee and we put out the call to the planning committee that we wanted to do some native food sharing and I have to say that I was blown away and so touched by this amazing array of food that was the result. And I think people have to go look at the pictures to like get the sense of like just all the different ways that, um, you know, food was offered um, to the people. And, you know, afterwards, like we were kind of debriefing with the team because, you know, I think we were curious too about how it would be received um, you know, because it's maybe unusual for people who are not from Bristol Bay or from Alaska to ha- to eat a mure egg or, you know, some of these other um, like delicacies. But I think the awesome part was like people were so open to it. You know, they really did like try everything. People were interested and, you know, you know, just had this kind of mind blowing experience of um, eating beluga for the first time and um, or pickled fish or just, you know, some really, really, um, you know, I think that, like eyes opened. So what I experienced is people were tasting these things. And I think it's so important because when I taste those things, um, 
it just opens your senses. It's another way to connect like really deeply with the land. Cause to me, it tastes of the land and that's why I love it. You know, I just, you feel, I don't know if you can feel more deeply that you're there, but you feel more deeply that you're there when you, when you taste these things. I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, it, it, it was profoundly moving and, um, you know, I've spent a fair amount of time in Bristol Bay in my life, and this was the first time I've had this opportunity to be gifted in this way um, from people who have been in and with the land for thousands of years. And you're right, you're transformed. It is a sacrament. Um, eating all, every bit of what uh, was offered, um, had, it all had its own flavor. And it was all very surprising. Um, it wasn't you know, I think my preconception was that it would be fishy or um, it would taste very odd. It tasted, everything had its own unique flavor to it. And there was a potency to the food um, that I, it's, it's very hard to describe and, and unless you've, you know, had this opportunity to do this. And I also noticed in you and in, in Marie, who, who's an elder, and, uh, and her sister Lucy, um, this absolute delight and joy. And, and I know they and you and we have eaten salmon thousands of times, but there is this genuine reverence and joy for being given this gift from the river and again and again. And um, that's the sacrament we talk about when, when we you know discuss salmon and it coming home to give itself so life itself can continue. And that was absolutely completely apparent on everyone's faces and with, with the giving of these gifts in these, in the food in its various forms. So I, I want to say thank you. Um, I know Tyler was in, incredibly moved as well by that, that gift. And, uh, it was something that was transformative. So, um, good on you for bringing that to people who ordinarily wouldn't get a chance to experience the land in that way. It was really a, a wonderful gift. So thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, me too. Um, very glad and grateful. And um, let's get into the Education Foundation's work now. And and what what was the result of the Nuka Derby uh, financially, but then also, you know, like, why are we doing this? Um, I got to meet some incredible people that have received assistance from the Education Foundation, uh, people like Tara Schroeder, uh, people like Willie Chithlick. Can you tell us a bit about the success that you've seen um, as a foundation and the success that you've witnessed with the people that you have assisted through this work? Yes. <clears throat> so as the executive director, you know, part of our, my job is to you know spread the word about the BBNC Education Foundation and also you know really celebrate like our our students and what we do. And I was just reading um, you know for all the nonprofit nerds out there, the Chronicle and Philanthropy, <laughs> and there was an article in there. It was actually Susanna Morgan, who used to run the Alaska Food Bank, and now she's at the Oregon Food Bank um, in Portland, and. Her team is really kind of turning development on its head, which I think in, like in, in an interesting way. And at the Oregon Food Bank, um, what they were talking about in this article was that they're no longer going to judge like the success of events or any fundraising activity on the dollar amount alone. Um, and they're trying to use that instead um, these other they're not going to abandon dollars completely, but the other benchmarks are really like human connectivity and connectivity to, to mission, right? Because I think, Mike, Mark, that's like what we're all looking for, right? We're looking for the good things that are happening in the world and how we can support them and how we can, um, how we can connect with them as we, you know, kind of move through our own lives. And, but we know what, you know, we know we want to contribute, right, in some way. So I loved that because I've been thinking, like, I want to reframe you know, how we how we think about and talk about like this success of an event, um, kind of you know, based on this um, 
model because I do think it's, you know, it's critical. It's critically important. So when I think about the success of this event um, that we just had and we've now been having for a few years, it is this connectivity um, to Alaska and our opportunity to bring um, folks who don't, um, who haven't experienced it before um, to, you know, to, you know, to participate and to learn and to meet with our, you know, with our students. Um, and in that, I think it was really wonderfully successful. And I, I, my huge koyana to all of those, all of those folks who've made the journey, because I recognize too, that it's a sacrifice. You know, they can be home with their families. It's the summer that, you know, they have things, um, you know, that, you know, that they could be doing and then, but they chose to, you know, give us really this gift of their time um, and, um, you know, interest and investment, because I think that's the huge, you know, it's so easy to, not so easy, but it's easy to write a $250 check or, you know, Venmo, you know, and like, right, you know, of course, now in our current age, our relationships can so easily be transactional. Um, you know, and then you kind of move on with your day, but this is a really a gift of time that I think is, um, just unusual and amazing. Um, but financially we did really well too, Mark. So we did raise, I think $156,000 in these three days, um, including all of our cash and in-kind support. So we're really, thanks. We're really, um, excited about that. And we use those dollars to support our students and our cultural heritage activities. So you mentioned um, a couple of people. So um, Dr. William Chaithluck, he is now on our Education Foundation board, but he is an alumna of the foundation. We supported him all the way from you know, early at like, you know, college freshman all the way up. Um, he's now a family physician. He works with the Puyallup tribe here in the greater Seattle area. Um, you know, just giving back to our um, Native community, I think, you know, broadly, but also really enjoys the opportunity to get, to get back to Bristol Bay. So he was with us on the river for those um, days and is really an amazing human being. And then we, um, Mark, you and Tyler had the opportunity to meet um, Tiara Schroeder, who's one of our current students um, that we're right now funding. She also is on the PhD track. I just happened to be pointing out to you PhD students, but we have a lot of different types of students. But um, Tiara is also on track um, with her PhD um, in, and I'm going to I don't want to misquote, but I think it's in psychology <laughs> and we're just really thrilled um, because she's so, yeah, she's so poignantly uh, points out, um, you know, her desire to, you know, attain this level of education, but then bring it back to her community um, and really give back in really substantial ways, kind of the understanding of um, native people, but also she's doing some really interesting research around alcohol and alcohol misuse and how that, um, kind of the mischaracter, uh, mischaracterizations around, um, native people and alcohol. So we're, we're just, um, really proud of her, I think, number one, and just excited to see where she goes in her, um, education and her career. Honestly, one of the big watershed moments for me was doing an interview with her and, um, and, and talking about why she's doing what she's doing and the gratitude was overflowing in her and out of her, but she, she got emotional at one point and talked about how, um, she had to go out, out of the region, meaning out of Bristol Bay for a mentorship because there wasn't a clinical psychologist, uh, in, in Bristol Bay yep. and she wanted to be the first one in Dillingham and that that kind of sealed the deal for me. That was like, okay, this is this is an investment. If if this is the result, this is this is a woman who is brilliant, who is driven, and who is compassionate and is absolutely passionate about bringing it home and perpetuating a new and resilient cycle in in region. And um, you know, first of all, she's incredible, Tiara. If you're listening, you're you're an amazing human and. Um, and uh, can't wait to do more work with you in the future. But um, I know that there's all kinds of other folks that you help too. Like you mentioned, it's not just PhD candidates. It's people that are 
looking to get their commercial pilot's license, it's trades. It's um, Can you speak a little bit more about other folks in the region that and, and what the kind of broader scope is of what you're hoping to accomplish? Yes. So we, um, we support students no matter where they're at in their education. Uh, so whether you are college bound or you are interested in a vocational trade, we're going to support you. Uh, we have two main programs where we, that we work with. So we have our higher education program. That's kind of the traditional four-year or two-year or four-year master's degree PhD track students um, that are going through um, for professional um, you know, careers. And then we also have a new program. We're calling it the Career-Focused Vocational Education Scholarship because that has a ring to it. Don't you agree? <laughs> CFBE um, <laughs> uh, scholarship. And those are much larger awards. Um, they can be up to $15,000 uh, to support students who are going to emerge from a program with a um, kind of career ready certificate. So that's if you wanted to be a welder or, um, you know, if you wanted to go to, um, cosmetology, like beauty school. And, you know, those are very expensive programs that are kind of concentrated into like nine months or 18 months. Like if you're going to be an aviation mechanic, um, but we want to fully, not fully support you, but significantly support our students through those um, programs. And then they come out on the other side. So we have uh, just started that um, this year. We had our first cohort. We had 16 applications. We were blown away. Um, and our next deadline is coming up here at the end of this month, so we'll see how that goes. But we're really excited about the potential. Also, we did a pretty big evaluation of our of our whole scholarship program since its inception, um, actually going back to like 1986. <laughs> and what we found was that the majority of the students that we had supported in the college going um, area of our work were women. Um, you know. I think 76% women. And so we really wanted to try to focus our efforts on how we can better serve um, serve additionally Alaska Native men. Um, and we recognize that a lot of um, our men want to be at home and want to be um, in region. And we get that. And so um, we're trying to you know change our programs and adapt so we can um, you know, provide like what they need, kind of when they need it, um, so they can get back. Um, back home and into the um, good, like awesome paying jobs. Yes. Well, um, as mentioned, we're going to, uh, as a entity, as Ava's Wild, uh, be supporting you, the work you're doing, you guys in the in the future here. And uh, I know other folks can get involved, and we'll we'll get all the URLs and the the ways to participate here at the end of the show. Um, but it's it, it's just it's incredible and it's really inspiring this, this work that you've put together, but there's another part of it. It's you are also, and this is to me, it's just as inspiring. You are also uh, perpetuating the culture. You are lifting up and working to revive and uh, also, you know, perpetuate this thriving culture that's been here for thousands of years in different ways. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. So I would say that this is the newer work for the Education Foundation. Um, But when I say newer, we've been at it for maybe five years now in terms of supporting cultural heritage activities in the Bristol Bay region. Um, I do have an awesome program officer, Kay Larson Blair, who I, you know, shout out to Kay because she's doing amazing work and working with our communities and and people. Um, So we do have a grant program that supports all kinds of cultural heritage activities. So that can I'm always blown away by kind of the breadth of things that our schools are doing in Bristol Bay. We have four school districts um, that serve our communities and also, um, you know, Anchorage based or elsewhere in Alaska. And even in Washington state, there's some activities that are happening down here. They can be, um, we've had folks make like um, dog sleds with students. We've had um, traditional tool making, um, traditional, uh, uh, plant medicines, gathering and making salves with students, just all kinds of really cool, um, really cool activities. We also have a Native Place Names um, grant program, which serves to document the Native Place Names of um, a- around the region, both um, in all three of our 
um, traditional languages. And those are um, kept in a um, place names database that's maintained by the BBNC land department. So we're a really great partnership with um, Fran Damaski and the whole team there in um, capturing our native place names. Um, and then in this last year, um, Kay, under her leadership, did what we kind of dubbed like the cultural wellness check um, for Bristol Bay. And we interviewed um, folks in almost all 30 of our village communities around what things are, what activities are really thriving in our region um, and then what needs more support. And so what we heard in that um, effort, well, we created a big report, so you're welcome to read it. <laughs> um, but we, what we heard was that subsistence activities are really rich um, and, you know, being continued by families and communities and like that, those traditional gatherings, salmon, um, you know, that is how those are alive and well and celebrated um, in our communities. And where we need more support is really around um, language preservation um, and learning. So, every, you know, we have, like I've mentioned a couple of times, these three languages um, and two of them are pretty um, endangered. Um, one of them, you know, the uh, peninsula or the um, peninsula dialect of the Alutic language has very, very few speakers left. Um, and similarly with um, the Dena'ina language that's um, spoken in the um, kind of lakes region of Bristol Bay um, also um, is critical. So, um, and then Yupik is more well-spoken, but um, whereas there was lots and lots and of, you know, young speakers at one point in time, there's, there's still a lot of young speakers, but um, fewer than there were. So we want to... Um, you know, be able to support our children and learning language, but also our young adults um, who are interested in becoming language speakers. Um, and then, and, and of course, capturing the knowledge of our elders who, um, who still, um, who still have that uh, important, those language skills, but also the, all of the, um, the information that is contained in language that kind of goes so beyond what were, um, you know, kind of the basic nouns and verbs that there's, there's this deep, like, well of, um, of, I think we call it deep knowledge that is contained in language that we think it's just critically important to, um, you know, to preserve, honestly. So we're, we're really thinking about how we can um, do more of that work and, we are going to be out in the um, working with the communities. Of course, like we're one. I just I also want to mention, you know, we're, we are just one of many, many awesome organizations in BBNC who have, you know, who care about these things, right? So um, everything we do, we want to do in partnership um, with our tribes, with the organization, other nonprofit organizations that are serving our region. Um, and I think that's just critically, critically important because it's going to take all of us and really focus energy to, um, you know, to do this type of um, cultural work. Chandri Doch. <laughs> you remembered your Yupik word. <laughs> yes. It's all good. It's all good. Yes. So... Yeah, gosh, and 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 uh, yeah, I'm, I I did download the Yupik app, and uh, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pounding on that for uh, the the next visit, which is coming up. Uh, my wife Fanka and I are are heading up at the end of July. Um, we're gonna be able to uh, fish and and spend some more time with folks in region, and hopefully we'll see. But um, hopefully get a chance to visit. Uh, I think it's your first culture camp. Yeah, and, uh, which just blows my mind if we're if we're able to put this together and and have this incredibly gracious invite to come visit and say hello to the young folks um tell us about this incredible culture camp that you've got going this year for the first time in bristol bay well this was has been i think a long time um dream of jason matrogan who is the bbnc ceo and just an amazing supporter of all education and 
cultural heritage, you know, activities. I really, um, hands down to Jason's leadership for, you know, having an idea and then bringing it, I think, to fruition and, um, providing all the support and identifying the people to make it happen. So yes, we are hosting the first BBNC culture camp um, for students. It's going to happen here at the end of July. And um, Atkik Snyder is our culture camp director. She's an amazing um, teacher and um, UPEC instructor um, from Dillingham. And she is our, our camp leader. I think um, folks are going to have a really great time. It's aimed at high school age students. Um, and I think one of the really beautiful things about it is that um, there's some intentionality around inviting students. It was an open application, um, and we invited students from you know from a wide variety of communities. So uh, there there are folks coming from you know the, who already live in Bristol Bay, students who live in Bristol Bay currently but also um, live in other parts of Alaska. And I think we might even have a couple of lower 48 students who are going to come up to Alaska. And for me, that really touches my heart because we know, Mark, how expensive it is, right, to get um, to Alaska, number one, and then to um, in, into our village communities. And that can be a real barrier. And, you know, for you know, I think about my own experience and growing up and how powerful and amazing it would have been to be able to, um, you know, go to Bristol Bay as a, you know, high school age student and, and youth and have that connection to your, to your community and your people and where you're from. Um, you know, when you're in that formative, like those formative years of 14 and really kind of, um, you know, creating your own personal identity and having, so having folks that are, you know, um, teens that are able to come and have that experience, I think is going to be really, really powerful. I'm so excited for them. So it's going to be a good mix of activities too, you know, um, well, there'll be, um, you know, we made sure that there's going to be lots of swimming. That's like advice we got. Like kids want to swim. Make sure that you're ready for them. <laughs> so it's by the lake. Um, you know, there'll be yep. boating. And then there'll also be a lot of, you know, traditional activities in terms of fishing and fish processing and fish cutting and language learning, like number one. So Akik is one of our language warriors. Um, she's working with, I think, you know, Alexana Salmon. Um, Sarah Mitchell and um, Michelle Raymond, amazing language teachers from our communities and language learners themselves. And so they'll be there as well. And of course, we'll, um, we have many elders um, that will be um, present at camp, camp because that's critical. And we should have mentioned that, I think, too, with the, um, with the Nucka Derby. Everything that we do, I think having elders there is just really, um, it makes our experience richer um, and it's critical. So we'll have elders. Um, there'll be elders at culture camp too. So I hope you get to get there, Mark. I hope you get to get over and experience Me too. that. I, I, I know we're, we're, we're working on the logistics right now, but um, it, it would be an incredible honor. And um, if, if we do, uh, I will report on it and, yes, um, and, and certainly take some pictures of course, so, uh, you, you just mentioned elders and, um, in thinking about folks like Joe Chifluk and, and elders in region, but also kind of other people that are outside of region, all of us, we're all concerned about our futures, I think. And, and we're facing some unprecedented challenges as a species with mm-hmm. climate change and, um, other, you know, super intense kind of, you know, concerns. Um, why is preserving the salmon ecosystem and the singular salmon culture in Bristol Bay and catalyzing it to thrive for future generations so incredibly important to you? I think it's hard for me to separate those things, right? So, you know, in my work, I get up every day, I think about, you know, students and youth 
and really our future, you know, in, in that, our future. And you can't separate those, the children's future, our youth's future from the land. They, ha- they go hand in hand. Like, and, um, and the salmon are just a, a critical part of that um, because they are the lifeblood they are the lifeblood of that of the region. You know, it is just incredibly important. But it, like, important is even the right word. I mean, it's like it's, it's essential. It's critical. Um, it is. I think you know what binds our communities together. If that you know is salmon culture. Even as we were building the culture camp, you know, one of the things that we kind of continuously referred back to and as we work in our cultural act, um, heritage work is like, oh, we have these three, you know, kind of distinct, um, you know, groups, right? With Olutic and Yupik and Dena'ina. And they all have their differences, but where we all come together is around the salmon, you know, and the land and our communities and um, in that there are no, there aren't differences. I think we just, um, they are, you know, central. Well, it's amazing. Um, even non-native folks, um, who have been fortunate enough to stumble into this landscape, um, or been deposited here by our parents, um, and have found a reverence for salmon. It is this central connector and, you know, when you when you grow up and spend a lifetime fishing for salmon and being enamored of them and, you know, frankly, you know, obsessed with them. Um, and then you start learning about how they've been the foundation for people for thousands of years before, you know, any of my uh, immediate ancestors came to, to come to this part of the world. It, it kind of blows your mind. And, and you, you have this deeper and profound understanding and, and then you go to and take it up a notch from a place like the Northwest here in Seattle and Puget Sound and go to a place like Bristol Bay where the runs are still completely intact and massive and beautiful and healthy and, um, you want to fight for it. And so it's, it's apparent to me, you know, when, when you talk about people, and their lineage and the, the profound sense of connection that salmon bring them, it, it, it's uh, palpable and, uh, it, you know, makes me just grateful to even be, you know, touching that in some, in some way. Um, because it's, it's a, it's a thread that's unbroken. And, and I think we are all searching for that kind of continuity in our lives. Um, so again, Koyana, thank you. And, um, as we start wrapping up here, what gives you hope for the future, um, especially in Bristol Bay? I have a ton of hope. I think I'm like an, you know, enthusiastically hopeful person, um, you know, ever the optimist for our, our communities and our, in our future. Um, I think part of that is because I get to work, you know, we get to interact with students, um, you know, so regularly and always tease folks, if you're ever having a bad day, um, let me read you a part of a student essay (laughs) that they've turned in as part of their scholarship applications because they are hopeful. You know, they see a bright future for our communities. Um, they see, you know, they want to give back. They want to build our future. Um, you know, the most, I think passionate, like language warriors and culture bearers, some of them are like 18 and 19 years old. You know, they're just amazing human beings. Um, and it's all about community, you know, for, for so many of our students. It's very rarely, I don't think I've, Mark, I don't think I've ever read a student essay from a student from Bristol Bay who's like, I want to become like a, you know, like some type of mogul and just amass billions. I've honestly never read that. It is it, it is all about how they can support the 
um, you know, the Bristol Bay region, how they can support our culture, how they can um, give back in some way, whether that's to become a teacher or a doctor or um, a pilot or a um, fishing boat captain. They're just all like all in in terms of preserving and, um, you know, working towards our community. So that gives me hope every day. And I think maybe one of the pictures that you'll have is, um, we got to go over to Robin Samuelson's house. Do you remember that when we were in Dillingham? <laughs> Cause they, they were, you oh, know, yes. doing some, I was just looking at those pictures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, his grandsons were getting ready to get the boat, you know, cause they are all commercially fish and, um, but they're also a couple of them are in college. And I think that picture of of them standing aboard, you know, um, their boat and just getting ready. Like to me, that's like the picture of the future and, um, you know, pragmatic, awesome leaders that will be coming up. So that's why I have such hope for our future. Me too. And seeing that was, uh, just a, a, a bolt of electricity and watching that wisdom being passed down from Robin to his, his grandkids, um, and, and the trust and the faith and the hope that he has. Um, I, I agree. It's just beautiful. And yes, we will post that up in our, um, Instagram feed as well at save what you love podcast. Okay. We have now moved on to the bonus round. Oh my gosh. Everybody gets a stab at the bonus round here. <laughs> and, um, it's a, it's always a variation of the same question. And in your case, it's going to be, let's just, you know, I knock on wood here. It's not going to happen. But let's say that there was a river flooding and it was going to take out your house. What's the one physical thing other than getting your family out, of course, and pets? What's the one physical thing that you take with you? Oh, my gosh. This is a, like, I, I feel like I should have prepared better um, for this bonus round. What's the one thing that I would take with me? You know, of course, yeah, your family... I would say that um, there's a book I've carried around with me for many years. Um, it is called Hearth in the Snow. It's out of print, mm. um, but it is the story of my great-grandmother um, in Pilot Point. And so it's a really special book um, that, like, my sister has a copy, my mom has a copy, but I, like, I treasure my copy of that book, so I, you know, would grab it on the way out. <laughs> Perfect. The perfect. Two metaphysical things about you. Like, what are the two characteristics about you? If you could only take two um, out of that flood. Oh, um, well, Mark, I, I think that um, the number of times I've been called salt of the earth <laughs> is many. And I love that character about myself, I guess. It's like one of the things that I like is like, you know, I am what you, I am. <laughs> what you see is generally what you get <laughs> when it comes to Alicia. And uh, maybe the second is um, I have a really uh, deep sense of integrity and, you know, justice. That is what drives me through this through this world. I couldn't agree more on both counts and keep it coming. Lastly, is there anything that you'd leave behind in the torrent to be washed away? Um, is this like metaphysical or just like all my old laundry? <laughs> <laughs> it could be either. <laughs> the dishes. We had yeah. that answer before. Yes. yes. All my clutter can just like be washed away in the flood and it will be fine. That's also metaphysical. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think um, we've talked about it um, in our like many lunch conversations, but one of the things that I've tried to work on of letting go of is perfectionism. Um, thank you, Brene Brown. And, um, but it's like a daily practice of, you know, things don't have to be perfect and it's okay to, you know, for it to be just okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> that couldn't be a better final word. Um, Alicia Townsbane, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, it's, Mark. Uh, it's an honor and uh, always a joy to hang out. I can't wait for our next lunch. 
And um, for folks that want to get involved with the Education Foundation, how do they follow you? How do they how do they uh, get involved and, and track you down? We are on all the ways. You can friend us on Facebook or follow our page on Facebook. We have a great Instagram, um, BBNCEF on Instagram. You can, if you're you know old fashioned, you can go to our BBNCEF.org website and find us there. Um, and I think those are, you can sign up for our newsletter and we'll email you an inspirational student story every single month um, and let you know what we're up to. Those are the ways. And if you're interested more about the event, I think we mentioned earlier, it's on nukaderby.net and it's N-E-Q-A derby.net. Uh, Perfect. Until our next visit down the trail, my friend, take care. All right. Thank you. Koyana. Koyana. How do you say what you love? How do you say what you love? Thank you for listening to Say What You Love. If you like what you're hearing, you can help keep these conversations coming your way by giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts. You can check out photos and links from this episode at avaswild.com. While there, you can join our growing community by subscribing to our newsletter. You'll get exclusive offers on wild salmon shipped to your door and notifications about upcoming guests and more great content on the way. That's at avaswild.com. That's the word save spelled backwards, wild.com. This episode was produced by Tyler White and edited by Patrick Troll. Original music was created by Whiskey Class. This podcast is a collaboration between Ava's Wild Stories and Salmon Nation, and was recorded on the homelands of the Duwamish people. We'd like to recognize these lands and waters and their significance for the peoples who lived and continue to live in this region, whose practices and spiritualities were and are tied to the land and the water, and whose lives continue to enrich and develop in relationship to the land, waters, and other inhabitants today. <laughs>